Hear the gospel from Luke chapter 16. Then Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as a manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into their eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I'm pregnant. That's what one man heard his mother say when he walked into the room. Now in some context, that would be cause for rejoicing. But in this context, it was cause for confusion. Because when he heard his mom say this, she was 67 years old. Miracles do happen, he thought. He walked into the kitchen one afternoon and his mom was on the phone with someone and as he walked in, he heard his mom say, I'm pregnant. Then he grabbed his chest to check his heart rate. Mom is pregnant? Clearly this was one of those miraculous pregnancies we read about in the Bible. Later, his mom came to him with a look of concern on her face because he had been acting really nervous. He said to her, you're pregnant. 
what? And she smiled and said, didn't I teach you not to take things out of context? It turns out that the person on the other end of the phone was sharing a conversation she'd had with her daughter. The daughter had always hoped to have a baby, but she and her husband had real difficulty conceiving. So the lady on the phone called the man's mom with good news. She said to his mom, guess what my daughter said to me today? And his mom guessed, I'm pregnant. Hmm. Now, a biblical text without a context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to say. A biblical text without a context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to say. It is dangerous to take things out of context, isn't it? Sometimes you can only understand the next chapter you read by reading the chapter that came before it. Try reading the old man in the sea starting in the middle. It just doesn't work. And today's gospel lesson, taken out of the context for which it was written, is plainly confusing. Jesus? Jesus allowing us to be dishonest? Jesus encouraging his hearers to be immoral in their financial dealings? Cheat a little bit here? Throw in some dishonesty over there? And that's commendable? But what did Jesus say before this passage? Well, it is one of everyone's favorites, the story of the prodigal son. With that story coupled in the context with this one, we can take something away from it. And we might just learn to forgive others from the God who has forgiven us. You remember the prodigal son. There's a dad, the head of the household, and this dad has some money. And he's worked hard his whole life to be able to provide an inheritance to his children. His son comes to him and asks him to go ahead and give him his inheritance. Something I'm sure none of you have been asked for already from your children. So he gives his son his hard-earned treasure that he had worked his whole life to save. And what does he do with it? He blows it. He blows it. He squanders it. He used it in a way that was not fruitful for his life or for those around him. Then when it was all gone, when it was all squandered away, he comes running back home. Daddy, 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 I ran out of money. But dad doesn't get angry at him like we want daddy to do. And this frustrates us. If dad would just lay it on the line and tell it like it is, no, dad forgave the boy. That's the story we hear at the end of Luke 15. And we get to what we heard today after that story. And today's parable is the story of the head of a household, a master, who happens to have some money. And for him, he entrusts some of his wealth to a member of his household who is a steward. 
And in this story, the steward is the one who misuses it. He acts immorally with that for which he has been entrusted. And the gospel writer, Luke, uses the same word here as he does in the prodigal son story. The steward squanders the money. Yet, the head of the household doesn't get angry like we want him to. And this frustrates us. Oh, if the head of the household would just lay it on the line, tell it like it is. No, he actually praises the steward. And the squanderer gets a good ending after all. And our anticipation and excitement for ultimate non-negotiable retribution deflates like a popped balloon. The prodigal son, the squanderer, geez, these guys, come on, Jesus, don't trust them, throw them out, good riddance. And I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy to understand that the Jesus I want isn't the Jesus that I get. But parables do help us understand it. We do have to think We cannot check our brains at the door. Jesus desires for his hearers to focus on the father of the prodigal son and the head of the household of the steward. Parables are always about God. They are always about the ways of God's kingdom, which are not the ways of the world. And in the parable we heard today, we hear how God deals with us. And quite frankly, I don't know how God does it sometimes. You will recall when Jesus' body was gasping as a whole, even to his last breath, after they pierced his side and filled his flesh with sour wine, you will recall while he was being nailed to a cross that he looked over at that moment at a thief on another cross and he said today, you will be with me in paradise. That's the Jesus I get. And you will recall when Jesus said to the company of men who were going to kill him, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And that's the Jesus that we get. Does Jesus not only say, but also exemplify that for every reason that we have to condemn the steward, there is an equally important reason to forgive him? Does this fit into the context somewhere? And yes, to quote the scripture, he is dishonest in very little, but can we really be so sure that he is also not faithful in very little? Two, are not we all a complicated mixture of faithfulness and frustration, of dishonesty and determination? Perhaps the manager was a good father. Perhaps the steward was a good father, a faithful and loving husband. Maybe he took care of the yard for his aging neighbors and shared fresh vegetables from his garden with the widows down at the synagogue. Come to think of it, maybe he lifted the spirits of the street children along the Sea of Galilee with fresh bread and fish. 
When we find ourselves caught off guard by someone's immoral or unethical behavior, especially when we are on the receiving end of it, we have a tendency to second guess the sincerity of every single word that they ever have spoken and doubt the intentions behind every single action that they've ever done in an effort to insulate ourselves from the pain of being wrong. Then after agonizing over and second-guessing every last detail of a relationship, we begin to think of the person who committed the immoral or unethical behavior, not as a person who made a mistake, but as a bad person. And when we change the conversation from being about questionable behavior into a conversation about personhood, when we reduce them to being a bad person, they become what? Disposable. Unworthy. Unworthy of our concern and undeserving of our forgiveness. And look around this world today. Everything, everything seems to be either or. Somebody gets arrested. Criminal. Someone is fleeing from oppression. Illegal. Someone struggled in school. Dropout. One falls behind on their debts. Bankrupt. Jesus loves the eithers and the oars and all of us in between. And we read in today's parable and we see in Jesus the Christ, we see the kind of forgiveness that only can stem from a God who is in complete love with the complex and imperfect people whom he created. The point Jesus is making with the steward is that God knows full well that we will keep making mistakes. Congratulations. God knows full well that we will keep pointing our fingers at others without understanding their stories and without acknowledging that there are three fingers being pointed back at us. And God knows full well that we will put ourselves first most of the time and that it takes discipline and resolve to do anything else. And yet, God keeps on entrusting his treasure to us. God even entrusts us to be the carriers of his gospel, to be the stewards of a God so loving the world that in the life, death, and resurrection of his son, we have salvation and life eternal. God entrusts us to carry that. If if our lives were a parable, then we would be God's good ending of the story. Can you believe that? God is so generous toward us. Both of these parables have the same life-changing point, and it's this. Think about the treasure God has placed in your hands. And then ask, 
what am I doing with it? Squandering it or serving? Building up the body of Christ or tearing it down? Lifting up others so they can see the light of the city on a hill or ignoring them in their darkness? Towards the end of the reading, we hear Jesus say this, whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. A biblical text without a context is just a pretext to whatever you want it to say. And these joined parables of the prodigal son and shady steward ultimately tell us the same story. It's the story of a God who is persistently generous toward his consistently imperfect children. Consistently, persistently generous. God keeps entrusting the treasure of this life into our hands. And sometimes we use that treasure well for the salvation of our souls, for the blessing of our neighbors. And sometimes we squander the opportunity that is open to us every morning when we wake up. But friends, the story of God's forgiveness and generosity, it is new every morning, it is new every day. Great is God's faithfulness. By being given God's treasure, by God's grace alone, we can plan and vision for the future with enthusiasm and with hope. We're not alone. And since we trust that we shall be a part of God's future, when his kingdom shall come in all of its fullness. So together we serve God in all God's goodness and we trust God to meet our each and every need. You are loved today by God. God created you as who you are. And we all are imperfect, yet we all hold the treasure of God's love. If you try to serve God and wealth, God and wealth, it will drive you bananas. Amen? And however you tell this story, however this story comes rolling off of your lips, it is always a story that is worth repeating. Amen.